Christians make mistakes. Can you turn to someone and say the same thing when Christians make mistakes? Can you turn to somebody else and say the same? Question. Can a born-again Christian make a mistake? Yes. The Bible says yes. A super yes. Because of time, I won't go into the scripture. But in 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 15, we see the story of David, a king, a great king indeed. Before this time, David had killed Goliath. Before this time, God had singled out David from the desert where he was and made him the king of a whole nation, Israel. And David was a sample at that time of what you can call a growing Christian. And at a stage in his life, he got to a point where you can't call him a growing Christian, but a grown Christian. He was strong in the faith. He had written lots of scriptures and lots of uh, contributions we read in scriptures today are from David. But all of a sudden, in Samuel, in this page of history, 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 5, let me just read one or two verses so that you know what happened there. Second Samuel 11, 1 to 5, 1 to 15. So what happened? And it says, And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. Uh, David sent Joab and his servants with him and Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried at Jerusalem. One of his first mistakes was to be idle. The idle mind is a devil's workshop. So if you are here, a young person, you will notice most of the times you've made mistakes were times where you were idle. Turn to somebody and say, friend, don't be idle. Amen. Verse 2, and it came to pass in the evening tide, in the evening, the devil loves darkness. It says in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof and the king's house. It's strange, a king, what is he doing on the roof? And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was beautiful to look upon. So this woman at the evening tide was bathing and David saw her. And when you read verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, the next step is David went to inquire. Now, no Christian is above temptation. No Christian is above temptation. Every Christian can be tempted. Or as a matter of fact, every Christian will be and must be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted in three different ways on the cross. And later on, the devil came many other times to tempt him. Even when he was about to die, he tempted him through Peter and said, don't go and die. And Jesus identified him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus was tempted with prosperity gospel. The devil said, bow down before me and I'll give you these nations and everything. This was Jesus. It was tested naturally. And what did Jesus do? He, 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 he confronted the tests with scripture. And the devil also tempted him with hypocrisy and false hope. He said, jump down. It is written that God will keep his angels charge over you. 
He said, no, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. He tempted him again with food and with need for daily bread. And if you notice, we are tempted through this means. When you ask so many sisters and brothers, why do you do this? He said, but I need to eat. I need to do this. Jesus was tempted with food. Food is a form of livelihood. What is going to eat, what is going to survive by. Your source of income can be a source of temptation. Jesus overcame it. And as a matter of necessity, you being a Christian must learn to overcome this temptation. Jesus was tempted with position. With, you know, if you bow down before me, I'll give you these kings, these kingdoms and everything because it's been delivered unto me. Notice Jesus did not argue against the delivering of the things of this world to the prince of this world. The devil was an archangel before he was cast down. And so he has possession of the whole world. Jesus did not argue that. But he overcame. But when it came to the turn of David, David had overcome so many things. But at this particular season in his life, he made a mistake. The loss came. It's like pornography. Or seeing a naked man or a woman. And the next thing is, if you now make steps, then... You have sinned. You've made a mistake. David saw this woman bathing, and the next thing is, he made steps and said, who is that woman? Go and call her. And when the woman came, you can't possibly refuse the offer of a king in those days. And so she lied, she lied with him, and they, they, they slept with each other, and both of them made a mistake. The woman became an adulterer. David also became an adulterer. But then this was a big mistake in the life of David. God was not happy with it. And God sends the prophet Nathan to rebuke him. And when God sent prophet Nathan, you know, God sent with wisdom that ah, this, that, that happened, what will you do? The king said, that person must surely die. The Bible says, if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. So David judged himself, and God was about to use the same measure he was using to judge another to judge him. But when David realized his mistake, it broke down. So one of the first statements is this. When a Christian makes mistake, the first thing God expects is a broken heart. After David made a mistake, he wrote a long psalm in Psalm 51, and I want us all to turn there. That's what we're going to use to pray before we go now. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. So one of the things you've known now is a Christian can make a mistake. But then the question is, when Christians make mistakes, what can they do? The first thing a Christian needs to do is to be broken. True repentance does not come with arrogance. Yeah, I'm one of, it's just like we spoke in the, uh, said the scripture. Well, I'm not the first to do this and God is merciful. No, true, true repentance is broken heartedness and shamefacedness and you are so broken and it shows within your emotion. The Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. 
So true repentance starts with brokenness. And then you see David, after Prophet Nathan had commanded the judgment of God upon him, the next thing is he prayed. And let's see what he said. He said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. To blot out something is to forcefully remove something. David knew how bad it was because he didn't only do that after uh, committing adultery. The next thing is he killed the woman's husband. After killing, he tried to cover up, cover up, cover up. And the Bible says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesses it shall be forgiven and shall obtain mercy. So David was open now. And the judgment of God was strong. A child came out of that sin. God ensured that that child will not survive. That child died. And that, that child fell sick. And David went, prayed, went in ashes and was praying and praying. But the child died. Sometimes God makes a decision because he knew he couldn't operate on that child. And later on, when David married right, what did he do? He gave David a son called Solomon. And like I told you last time I came, Solomon became the child of the new covenant. Amen. When a Christian makes mistake, the first thing is brokenness. Ask yourself a question. What's your salvation experience? Many times when people are asked, what's your salvation experience? They really do not have any. When you meet with Jesus, when he meets you, one of the evidences from most people is they either were crying bitterly or they were sad for days knowing how much they pierced the Lord many times. You know, many times we sing the song, I never know how much it costs to see upon the cross. So when you make a mistake, when you make a mistake, God expects you to come to a point of realization how much you've pierced Jesus. The Bible says when you make mistakes, it's like what? Nailing Jesus to the cross a second time. Turn to your friend. Say friend. Amen. Stop crucifying Jesus. Stop crucifying Jesus. Rather, Rather, let Jesus crucify you. Jesus Paul said something. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself unto me. In verse 2, David now says something. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. He had the prayer of washing, which we are going to do shortly. He says, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Notice David is not saying, it's a woman. Why was she baffing at that point? It's me, 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 me. True confession does not blame others for your mistakes. It blames you. You are the sole owner of that mistake. 
And he said, Behold, I was shipping in sin and in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with eye soap. It's like, wash me clean, and I shall be washed. Many of us need to be washed. It's showing you the process that happens when a Christian makes mistakes. David did not say, well, um, I've been a Christian for many years. So, and one thing you should know is this. What's the difference between David and Saul? Anybody? Both people made mistakes. In fact, David's mistake was worse of Saul. But what happened? Saul was arrogant. When Samuel came and said, what's the blittering of ships? Because he went to war and God said, utterly destroy. Utterly destroy sheep, cow, goats, everything. But the people brought home goats and said, ah, so let's sacrifice to God. He said, ah, yes, that's good. And he took the sheep and was sacrificing to God. And so Samuel came and said, what have you done? He said, well, uh, when you did not come early, I needed to sacrifice to God. And the people were complaining. So Saul was a man of the people. And the next thing is, Saul said, uh, Samuel said, oh, you're a foolish king. That if you had obeyed the instruction of God, it was just a litmus test. A litmus test is a major test. To, for the employer to know if they will keep you or not. He failed it. And he said, because of this, God has taken the kingdom from you. But David did worse, but he was humble. Many of us need to go to God humbly this morning. When I got born again in 2006, I knew what happened. My life changed. I cried. I cried because I saw Jesus. And when you see Jesus, there are so many things that will change in your life. You won't argue about so many things again because he gives you the embodiment of himself and shows you what he has called you to become. And you become a role model for Jesus. The Bible says, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Not as it is in America or as it is in the 21st century, or as it is in London, or as it is in Manchester, or as it is on TBN television, as it is in heaven. You are an heavenly model. There are other samples of those who made mistakes. Peter. Peter could not believe he made a mistake because Jesus said, you, de you deny me three times. Before the cock crow, he said, no, 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 I can't do that. But what happened at a point he did what he didn't believe. And this explains the words of Paul in, won't go there, but in, in Romans 7. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. He said, so then, what is happening? He says, the law of sin is trying to fight against the spirit inside me. But he said, thank God that Jesus has died for my sin. Amen. Now, what do you do when you make a mistake? The first thing is that you need to break the dominion of sin over your life. Paul said, sin shall no longer have dominion over me. Now, let me tell you something. When you were not Christians, and for those of you who are not Christians, you may understand this better. But when you were not Christians, what happened? 
you sin without remorse. When you get home, you can finish fornicating, and when you get home, you are not crying, you are not bothered, you just go, Mom, hi, Dad, hi. Nothing is giving you guilty conscience, even though you try to cover it from your parents. But when you become a Christian, so that, I just explained, is a dominion of sin. It keeps you bound and you are not bothered. But when you become a Christian, that dominion is broken. And since the dominion is broken, the next thing is, you, when you, when you co commit that mistake, the next thing is, you are sorry. And you're like, God, what have I done? That's the conviction power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So the first thing you need to do is break the dominion. Turn to somebody and say, break the dominion. So you make a mistake, don't make it repeat itself. I remember when I wasn't born again, I was a teenager then. I was in high school, and I'll round up shortly. I was in high school, and anytime I got home, I had this friend not too far from my house. So he was our neighbor. Anytime I visited him, the sister would come. I would play. She slaps my hands. I slap her hands back. <laughs> and it became a kind of romantic game. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We used to call it double rackets then. Like, so we were both teenagers. I think I was maybe three years older, and she was younger. So I would do that. And when I get home, I would be so sad. Like, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> we didn't graduate, but we almost did, you understand? Because there's something called Nepalite in Nigeria. <laughs> what Nepal does is this. When, when we're doing those games, strange enough, the devil allowed the brother walk out on us. So freedom. And Nepal takes the light too. So we're both in the dark, playing and touching. The home was a serious, serious matter. So that continued. But the, because then, too, I, like I told you last time, I had been teaching in the children's ministry since I was nine because when I was younger, I heard the voice of God. But I still had not given my life to Christ. And this now enslaved me. So I was struggling because I knew what God had told me at the age of seven. I'm like, oh God, help me to stop. I want to stop. I can't stop. <laughs> because Monday to Friday, I enjoy myself in sin. When Saturday is coming, I'll be like, ah, oh, church is coming. I have to repent now so that when I get to church, you know, I can teach the children well and... <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't know why those people are laughing. <laughs> anyway, so I had this struggle. And I was like, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me. Then, praise the Lord. One day, God came to my aid. 
the solution God gave is stop going there. Stop going there. It's an evil bus stop. So I notice anytime I go, the lady will come. It could be just a pen. She'd be like, give it to me. And, you know, it becomes an issue. And God said, stop going there. So I stopped. When I stopped, the sin stopped. Amen. The sin stopped. And when, after, after that stopped, my life changed. And a few months after, that was when I met Jesus. You need to break the dominion and to stop the evil bus stop. Yours may not be going to your friend's house. Yours may be right on your phone. The chat group that sends strange pictures and you see the pictures you can't control. You need to walk out of that group. <laughs> Go ahead. Interesting. Thank you very much. Um, when it's a church, it's a different issue. You understand? Obviously, because the sin cannot occur inside the church. Yeah, yeah. And very, very good question. The thing is, in that kind of case, you need to be closer to the leader of the church so that it will be advising you closely on what to do. You understand? You understand? So God will help you. But And um, the thing is, there have been some cases, because I counsel widely, there have been some cases where sometimes it can even be some of the people in the leadership. You understand? In that case, you might need to stop going there and go to somewhere else. You understand? Because in this case, your salvation is very, very delicate. So two things. Break the dominion of sin. The dominion is you, you are not bound to it. Don't let it get to a point where you accept it. You understand? You are now born again. So don't say, well, it's a norm, I can't help it. Let me just continue. No, if you allow it to continue, then sin's dominion is over you. Dominion is a hold. But don't let the dominion hold you down. Keep praying, keep pushing. Don't accept it. The day you accept it, then you become what uh, brother was teaching earlier, a backslider. Don't allow the dominion. And two, Avoid the evil bus stop. Three, repent genuinely. Let's close our eyes. I want you to just quietly talk to the Lord. This is a very, very serious message. And tell him, God, anywhere I've made mistakes, God, I know you want to forgive me. That's why you brought me here today. So silently, just Ask God to forgive you of those mistakes. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you. God, forgive me. 
and do not let sin have a dominion over me. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's rise up. Listen to this. When there's a boxing match, a knock, a knock down is not a knockout unless you stay down. Did you get that? Yes. So when you are knocked down, the ref will count one, two, three. If you don't respond, they say it's over. So you've been knocked down. The Bible says the righteous man falleth seven times, but he shall rise again. So don't accept the mistake. Repent genuinely of it. Some of you need to go home. You may need to cry literally and tell God you are genuinely repenting from your heart and ask him for a solution and he's faithful to give it to you. Amen. Let's take our Bibles. And this is the final prayer we're going to pray. Psalm 51. I want us to all read it together. This scripture is going to help you in some years to come. You may not understand what I'm saying now, especially if maybe you have not met Jesus or you, are, you have met Jesus and things are still going smoothly. There will be shaking times in your journey and this is going to help you. Psalm 51. Are we all there? So brothers will read verse 1, sisters will read verse 2 and we'll go like that till we get to the end. All of us will read the last verse together, okay? So, brothers, are you ready? Let's go. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Sisters? Three, for I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Purge me with isop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I thy face from my sin, and blot out all my iniquities. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then I'll teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, and, O God, thou will not despise. Everybody together now, then shalt thou be pleased in the sacrifice of righteousness with bond offering and both of Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. Amen. Note down that scripture. 
It's not a license to make mistakes, but any time you fall into temptation, meditate on this scripture, and God will help you in Jesus' name. Begin to thank God for the answers to your prayers. And thank Him for what He has done for you today. In Jesus' name, pray. I just stretch out our hands to the person that's just come to us today and begin to pray for him. That the Lord, the anointing of God, the Lord, 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 the Lord